Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Man, what an awesome thing. I'm going to come up here so hopefully everybody can see me in the back. Maybe you don't want to see me in the back. That's okay, too. Man, the sun's shining today. It feels a little bit more like summer out there, does it not? We'll take that one. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Fun season. we got baby calves running around. Weeks popping. Holy cow, look out. Things are good. Things are good. Well, good morning. Good morning. Man, I'll tell you what. I've got, I've got a long ways to go this morning. We better just get right on to it. <laughs> Good to see all your faces here this morning. If you haven't been to Beach Around before, if you're new here, if this is the first time you're watching it online, welcome. It's awesome to have you here. Make it a habit. Come every Sunday because this place is pretty cool. It's kind of biased. Uh, most preachers and pastors, they take a time, uh, they call it sabbatical. I think that's a fancy word for it, sabbatical. And they go off and they, they rejuvenate themselves. They... Uh, they get in the Word. They, I don't know what they do on sabbatical. I'm not, I'm not a pastor. I'm not sure. Um, but pastors do that. Our pastor meets around and goes to rookies. Which is good. <laughs> it's how he refills himself. And we rejoice with him in that. And then he has that time to go and get refilled. He always comes back just full of spirit. And I love it. Um, but it gives me an opportunity uh, to come up here and speak. And, and label us on the... Uh, speak whatever the Lord has laid on my heart. And so this morning, that's, uh, that's what you're going to get again. Beach Round is an independent, non-denominational, Jesus-loving Bible preaching church. i got to introduce this. That's all I'm going to say about it, because it pretty well explains itself. Um, last week, we were in Revelation chapter 3. We're going to be in the same place again. So if you got your Bibles with you, flip that puppy open to Revelation chapter 3. And as you're turning there, uh, I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father... We just thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the sunshine and the warm weather. And uh, we thank you for the newness of life. And that, that, that this time of year um, brings about that newness. And, and Lord, we thank you for the seasons and what this means to us. And, and we look forward to Resurrection Sunday. Uh, not only the life that we get to see here on this earth, but Lord, what that means that, that your son Jesus was resurrected. He was raised on the third day and he is alive and he is alive with us. So thank you for that. Lord, this morning, speak through me. Uh, God, whatever whatever comes out of my mouth, I pray it's of you. And if it's not, that it will fall on deaf ears. But Lord, let us open our hearts to hear what you have to say this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, so we were in chapter 3. I'm going to do a quick little recap of what last week looked like because I told you I was in this big old wrestling match with God and that's generally how it works. Uh, I might be thinking one thing, maybe what I'm going to say when I fill in for Corey uh, during the week, but then something comes up and I get this big wrestling match with God. And I'm like, what, what, are you trying to, what are you trying to tell me? What are you talking about? And that is exactly what last week was about. It's a continuation of this week. I feel like there were some things last week that we needed to kind of tie up to make it all flow together, make it all make sense, and uh, leave you with something looking forward to go on from, from there. So... Um, as you know, I'm not going to read through Revelation, this, this part of Revelation right now, because we're going to get to it as the day goes. Um, but as you know, uh, the, the, the verse that I've really stuck on, uh, Jesus says to the church in Laodicea, he says in verse 15, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, you are neither hot nor cold. And so the place that I got stuck on, that I got this big wrestling match with, with God, was when he said wish. When he said the words were wish. I wish that you were cold. 
And I talked last week that there are sermons preached, there are people that believe you can lose your salvation, and this scripture right here points to that. That if you are not on fire for Jesus Christ and your faith, and you're not doing the things and going through the motions and doing all that stuff, you can lose your salvation. And then that they they say that in fact, if if you are cold, he would rather you be cold than to be lukewarm and sitting on the fence and whether you're in or out, one leg in, one leg out. He would rather you be cold than to be lukewarm. And 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 so people are saying if. If you totally reject Jesus, if you don't know him, if he is nothing to you, Jesus would rather that than you be on the fence of either in or out. And I expressed last week, and I think I got my point across, and it's not really my point. It's, it's what God has revealed to me. This does not sound like the gospel of Jesus Christ. This does not sound like the gospel that we know. It does not sound like the Jesus Christ. It does not sound like the God that I know of this Bible. Because God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God. So why would He change His mind all of a sudden the Scripture? God is the same. And so last week, as we, as we, as we dove through that... It's not about temperature of your faith. It's not about whether you're cold or hot in your faith. It is about using the gifts. It's about using, using what God has given you. It's about accepting His grace. It's about accepting His forgiveness. And to be cold or hot in that. If you remember, I kind of drew this little map in the air here, but, but this church of Laodicea sat in the Lycus River, and it was here, there was Heropolis up here, there was Colossae down here, and it was all kind of in this river valley. And if you remember, there is a pipeline of water coming into Laodicea. Laodicea was known for... I'm going to move this. Sorry, Trace. I'm going to knock it over if I don't. Um, there's this pipeline coming in with water into Laodicea, six miles or something like that. And, and it ran their industry. Their biggest thing was textiles. And they would uh, take this black wool and they would knit it together so tightly that it, it could become waterproof. I mean, it was good. And they, and they made carpets and rugs. I don't know what else you do with these textiles. Um, and they were also riding this big trade route. And so banking was huge. There was a lot of money going on there. But in this pipeline coming down, by the time it got to town, it was lukewarm and it was tainted with gritty amounts of, of uh, calcium carbonate, which would make you puke. All right? So this was the lukewarm that he's talking about. Right next to it was Colossae. Colossae was known for this stream coming into it that was cool, cold, refreshing, reviving. Yummy water, okay? That's what Colossae was known for. Just on the other side of Laodicea was Heropolis. Heropolis was known for its hot springs. It was full of minerals. And we could go into these hot springs and you could get healed because of whatever ailed you. And sore muscle, whatever it might be, you could go into the hot springs. So as we looked at this, Jesus is saying, don't be lukewarm. Be hot or cold. And that's the things that he uses as reference. So that's kind of what... Where we stopped last week, and so now the question, the question becomes: So what do we do to keep from being lukewarm? That's the question that was in my mind. What's next, God? What's the next thing? What do I do to keep from being lukewarm so that I can use my gifts, so that I can use my talents, so that I can understand and accept Your grace to become this hot or cold that You wish that I was, so that I can actually be something for You. So what does it take to become? Not lukewarm. I got it. It's it's kind of neat. There's not a lot that we know about Laodicea from the Bible. In fact, in the Bible, there's only six instances that it is mentioned, and one of them is in Revelation, where we're where we're at right now. 
There are four times in the book of Colossians that it is mentioned, and we're going to be in Colossians quite a little bit today as well. And then there's one other time, and I want, I want to see this. This is, this is going to be kind of cool. So flip right quick. If you have your Bible, just flip a few pages back to, uh, well, uh, I'm sorry, it'd be forward, I guess, to 1 Timothy. Flip to 1 Timothy right quick. Chapter 6 specifically. Basically the very end of 1 Timothy. Here's the rest of That's a good story. It's awesome you don't bring your Bibles here, by the way. All right, so you're there. And clear down, I believe verse 21 is the last verse in 1 Timothy. And just quickly read that last verse. And if the last verse ends with grace or says something like grace be with you, just quickly raise your hand. I just want to see how many people. Ooh, this is so cool. Okay. For those of you that didn't raise your hand, if your Bible says something about uh, this first letter to Timothy was written from Laodicea, raise your hand. There better be one in the back for sure. <laughs> if you have if you have a King James Bible that's old enough, it says that this is the this is the letter that's written from Laodicea. That's the sixth time that it's mentioned in the Bible. We don't have I'm not going to get into the King James debate. We're not going there today. But uh, it's kind of interesting, and we're going to touch on that here in just a little bit. Um, but it was it wasn't mentioned very much, so we don't have a lot, and we don't know about a letter that was written to Laodicea. But there are things in Colossians. Um, in chapter 4, uh, the very last chapter, and, and Paul is kind of giving them the, the last greeting. And I'm just going to read a couple lines. It says, for I, he's talking about a disciple of his, Epaphras. And he says, for I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings and also Demas. Greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also in Nipha and in the church that is in her house. Listen here at verse 16. It says, When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And for you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. And again, we can't be positive that the letter that he wrote to Timothy was the one that he's talking about here, but I think it's kind of cool. And so he's saying, uh, there are some things going on in Colossae, and that's why Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians. That he wants to make sure that the Laodiceans here too. And I think there's so much cool detail in Colossians. It just it brings to life what, what this is all about. Um, and so this, this letter to the Colossians, it has some uh, very important things that he wants them to know. Number one, he is warning against false teaching. Their Gnosticism was going crazy back then. It was rampant. I don't know the ins and outs of Gnosticism, but I know that they didn't necessarily believe that Jesus Christ was God, that he was a created being, something like the angels that they would worship. And so there was a false teaching going on. It also encourages Christians to stay strong, to stay strong in faith, to stand in the faith. And it also talks about the, the supremacy of Christ. And so we have these three towns that are really close together. And Paul's saying, hey, make sure you read this letter, not only in your church, but read it to the Laodiceans and read it to those at Heropolis too. And I don't know if this is a foreshadowing of what's about to happen, or uh, they obviously were getting into some sin and some things that were not okay, and so Paul's like, hey, you need to figure this stuff out. Colossians was written like in the 60s, the mid-60s, AD, so 30 years after Jesus was resurrected. First um, Timothy was also written about that time. We don't get Revelation until like the 90s, so 30 years after this. So it's kind of cool to look at this, and Paul's warning them, hey, 
be careful, do these things, and then to look forward and see the, the message that Jesus gave John to, to speak through this, through this book of Revelation to the Laodiceans and what was going on in their church. So there's kind of some background about, about why and how this is all moving together. So we're just going to start, we're just going to start rolling through it. Um, in chapter 3 of Revelation, we're back in Revelation, chapter 3. The first thing that he says, Jesus is saying this to the Laodiceans. And he is saying, To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God, says this. All throughout Revelation, in chapter 2 and chapter 3, there are seven churches that Jesus writes these messages to. And all of these churches are set up in Christ. They are all believing churches. This Epaphras, uh, I think uh, people grant him that, that he was the one that started these churches. So it was started with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the one that we know today, the one that Paul preached, the one that, the one that gets preached here at this church. That is the gospel. And there were six other churches that they were in Christ, but Jesus noticed there were some things off. And so he wanted to make sure that those things got fixed. But when we get down to the church of Laodicea, which is the last church that he sends his message to, if you look into that, they are a church of unbelievers. There is not one believer in the church of Laodicea. And so that is important. And it is important why he's writing this. He says, the amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of creation of God says this. Right there, he is stating who he is. The first thing he says is the amen. A lot of times we use amen at the end of a prayer and saying, I think kind of the language terms and the way we define it today is let it be. Like God, let it be. Like whatever I pray, let it happen. But in this case, it is a title for who Jesus is. Jesus is the completion. He is the all in all. He is the Alpha Omega. He is the whole deal. He is God. He is the amen. He says a faithful and true witness. He, he knows God. He has seen God. He's been there with God. He was there with God in the beginning. And it goes on to say, beginning of the creation of God. And I want you to know that He was there in the beginning of the creation. He was not a created being by God. He was God. We can go back to 1 John. We can go to chapter 1 of the Gospel of John. And we know about the Word. The Word, the word was God was with God. The Word became flesh and came to dwell among us. We know that the Word is Jesus. He was there in the beginning. That's what Jesus said. I am God. I came down in the flesh. We have the Father and the Son. We can, we can divide that all up we want to. But He is God in the flesh. And He came down. So He's saying, this is who I am. Quit teaching that other stuff. I want you to know this is who I am. This is who I am. I'm going to skip over verses 15 and 16 because I talked a lot about that last week. And we're going to go right into 17. It says, Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Woo! It goes on to say, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich. And white garments that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. God's, God told him, He's like, You think you're rich, you think you got it figured out, you think you got wealth, 
and you think you don't need anything. They say, hold on a second, you're rich, you're, you're blind, you're poor, you're naked. But he gives them a way out. He says, come by for me and go refine by fire. I think it's so awesome because the Bible, there, there's quite a few places in there that talks about these precious metals, silver and gold being refined by fire. It's the best thing that we can that, that we can uh, kind of get our brain wrapped around how amazing God is because we, we think of these, these precious metals. But, you know, these precious metals don't become what they are today if they don't get refined. And God is saying, Come get the gold from me that's refined by fire. So we're like, what is that gold? And I, uh, there's all kinds of verses, but one that I landed on was Psalm 12, 6. It says, the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. I don't know if you know how gold is refined. I didn't. Or silver for that matter. But it gets put in the fire. It gets melted down. The impurities get taken away by some chemical reaction or hot air being blown on. I don't know. But all the impurities leave. And so then you have gold. That's all you have left is the pure gold. But in this, in this instance, he's saying, my words are so pure that it's been refined seven times. So we got put, put back in the fire, melted down, more impurities taken out. Got put back in the fire, melted down, more impurities taken out seven times so that his word, this word right here, we, we can even say Jesus, if, if he is the word, is pure. Is 100% pure. Nothing, nothing impure about it. Come get that gold from me. Come get that gold from me. 1 Peter 1.7 says, So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Our faith is worth more than that gold. He says even though that gold is refined, your faith is more precious than that because that gold will Someday disappear. I have a wedding ring on right now, like many of us do. And uh, 13 and a half years ago, uh, this was a really, it still isn't a cool wedding ring, but at that time, uh, around each edge, there was kind of this rope border around it. And like, it was punchy. <laughs> it was cowboy. Like, it, it was the wedding ring I wanted. Andrew, she obviously bought it for me. 13 and a half years later, you cannot tell if there was even a rope border around that. It has been it has been worn down, it's been beat on, and what that gold that was there, it ain't there no more. And I know some of the ladies, I think I remember one of my mom's rings, um, I don't know if it was your wedding ring or not, but it had a diamond on top, so it was always situated the same way. And the, and the, and the, and the palm side of her wedding ring was so thin, you could almost read a Bible through it. I mean, there wasn't nothing. Gold, what I'm saying is gold will disappear too. Gold will disappear too. Your faith is a thing that will not disappear. It is not perishable because you have Jesus Christ in Amen. So we go back to, well, how do I stay away from being? How do I stay away from being lukewarm? Number one, know the deity of Jesus Christ. Know Jesus Christ is God. If you want to know how else, come get that gold from God that He provides. Matthew six nineteen says, "Do not store up for yourselves on earth treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven." Where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm a cowboy. We do a little farming. I got my calves. Man, I just want to see them calves grow, and I want to see them uh, make as much money as they can for me when I sell the sale. I'm, I'm a farmer. We like to see the corn grow. We like to see the wheat grow. We like to see our hay grow. 
and that's our that's that's our livelihood, right? So then the drought might come in, hail might come in, knock all that out, it's gone. It's gone. So if I if I store for myself treasures on this earth, that's where my heart's gonna be, and I am gonna be in a world of hurt. But if I store for myself the treasure that's in heaven, that that good stuff, that's where my heart's gonna be. God's saying, come, come get it. If you don't want to be lukewarm, find that girl. He goes on to say, and white garments that you may clothe yourself, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. I think it's, I said this last week, but I do think it's really kind of interesting because they used black wool to knit all these garments together that would become waterproof. I mean, they were, you were uptown if you were wearing something the way of the scene, maybe. But if you had a rug or a carpet in your house, like it was really, really good stuff. But Jesus is saying, no, can we get the white garments that I'll provide for you? And I, I mentioned last week, how do we get those white garments? Um, Isaiah 1 8 says, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be what? White as snow. We cannot clean ourselves, no matter how much we try. But I've struggled with this myself. I don't know if you're here or not. There's, there's things in my life that I have sinned and I have not, I have not done godly things. I have not been a godly man. And there's times that I've been like, well, I need to clean all that stuff up. I need to clean it up before, before it's acceptable to Jesus Christ. So I'm going to have, i got news for you guys. You don't have that ability. You don't have the ability to forgive your own sins. Only Jesus can. And He wants you the way you are right now. With all of the whatever that you've got going on in your life, He says, come to me. Come to me right now. When you ask for that forgiveness, when you, when you make Him more to your life, He's going to clothe you with this white garment. He's going to wash you white as snow. There's nothing that you can do. It's totally out of your control, but He can. That is how much our Jesus loves us. It's not about the work that we can do. So if you want to know about how to how to not be lukewarm? Go get his garment. Go get that thing. I'm going to skip over right quick, uh, verse 19. I'm going to handle that one here in a couple of weeks because there's a month of Sundays we could go on that thing. But I'm going to I'm going to skip on down to verse 20. It says, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice." And opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him, and he with me. This is a verse that I think gets completely, it, it can be taken out of context if we're not careful. There's lots of places in the Bible that kind of talks about Jesus coming to knock on the door, or that we are supposed to knock. There's the ask, knock, seek verse that, that we kind of talked about last week. Ask and it will be given to you, knock, and the door will be open, seek, and you will find. And it talks about what we can do as Christians to, to get in a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ is go knock on that door and that door's going to be open for you. And we think about this verse, I've heard it preached where, where people say, we are to serve Jesus. But then they, they twist this around and say, well, Jesus is the servant. And if he comes in, he might be that guy that, that is poor and, and maybe he's blind and he's hungry and, and he needs something and if he comes and knocks on your door, Maybe you've seen him on the street someplace, or maybe walking down the highway or whatever, and he comes and knocks on your door. Um, it's up to us to let them in, and, and then we'll prepare and we'll you know, do all the things for this, this person that is downtrodden and, and, and rough. Because sometimes we think about Jesus, and he was not a rich man. He was not, he was not that kind of guy. But 
I want you to know something, just like we talked about earlier. He's talking about knocking on the door. And the problem is that these people think that church is theirs. If this church was established in Christ, I'm able to see it. If this church was established in Christ, and I have this question for you, you can go ahead and shout out the answer. Whose church is this? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Whose church is this? Jesus Christ. Right. Here at Beach Island. Whose church is this? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the master. He is the head of this church. He is the groom. And we are the bride. And we are to serve Him. And, and I thought about this. You know, we've, we've had some awesome young ladies in, in this church come and babysit for us. Andrew and I will go on a date. Jocelyn Weaver has been there before. And she'll, she'll come and she'll take care of the kids and keep them alive. And hopefully not be too tired when she needs <laughs> But I think about this. If Jocelyn was sitting in our house taking care of our kids, and there was some weird bump in the night or something outside she didn't like, there's a good chance she might go and walk some doors. Just say, no, I don't, I don't know you. Maybe it's not even a person. I don't know. But, but I can understand how she'd be like, uh, stay out, because I don't know who you are. But when Andrew and I would come home from our date and find that our door is locked, we knock on the door, I would hope that Jocelyn knows us, that she hears our voice and knows who we are, and if she would come and let us in. Because we're the head of that household. We... That is our house. Jesus is saying the same thing. And when we open that door, Jocelyn always has the most amazing meal for us. <laughs> and she's like, no. <laughs> no she, uh, wouldn't expect that. But, but that's what I'm saying, that, that when he comes in, and we as the church are to serve him. We are the church are to serve him. He is the head of this church. And so when he knocks... Is anyone in here able to hear his voice? Do you recognize the voice of Jesus Christ? I've heard it said that if there is one believer in this building, Jesus Christ is present. And I can stand confident up here and say that Jesus Christ is in this place because there are believers in this building. If you want to not be lukewarm, Listen to his voice. Listen to his voice. You might ask, how do I do that? Last week I said, hey, pray. Pray. I'll tell you what, there was a time in my life um, I knew Jesus. I was saved. And there was a time in my life that I wasn't walking with the Lord. And I was convicted here five, six years ago. I don't remember what it was. And I was on the floor of our basement and I was praying. And I realized at that point that there was nothing that I could do. But I said, Jesus, I'm going to surrender my life to you. And Lord, help me figure out the direction that you want me to go. And when I did that, I had the most awesome feeling. I don't know if you guys have ever had this feeling before, too, when you pray. And you just get this feeling deep inside your bones. Like, you can't even explain it. And I know that Jesus was present. I know that I was talking to God. I was having a conversation with, with Him. And sometimes His words aren't audible. But you still know what he's saying. And it only comes from having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way that you get to hear from him. Amen. Why would he want to talk to you if you don't have a relationship with him? He wants you to come and be his friend. He, he's our brother. That's our Jesus. So if you want to know how to not become lukewarm, know Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him. 
I'm going to invite the music team back up here. As I was going through this message in my head and, and kind of going through it this morning, it's 45 minutes long, and I'm like, this ain't going to work. <laughs> so I've had to cut some things out, but it's kind of awesome because here in a couple, couple weeks, I get to come up and we can dissect it even more and how awesome, how awesome this scripture is. The question is, how do I become not lukewarm? And I want you to remember that the church of Laodicea was a church of non-believers. They went to the church. I don't even know why they went to the church. I guess they were just checking off a box. Saying, yeah, we did that thing. But they did not believe in Jesus Christ, who He was, what He was, that He was God, that, that that's who He is, and He is alive. I'm going to sum it up with some words out of the Bible. Colossians chapter 3. Verses 1 through 4. The first two words are therefore if. I'm going to say this. If in your Bible, anytime you want to run across it, and you're one of those types that likes to highlight or circle things in your Bible, anytime that you come across the word if, circle and underline it. makes you think if it pertains to you or not. It says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, if you are a believer, if you know, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Get this. Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him. What a promise. What a promise. This is how not to become lukewarm. Believe in Jesus Christ and know Him. And know that He came and He had a life. God sent, He loved you so much. He loved this world so much that He sent His only begotten Son that whosoever it don't matter what your background is, where you came from, what your parents believed, it doesn't matter. Even if your parents were believers, I'm talking to you right now too, you don't get your faith through your parents, you get your faith through your own heart Jesus Christ. That whosoever shall believe in Him shall have eternal life and not perish. You will not be spit out. If you're lukewarm and don't believe, you're going to be spit out. If you're sitting in this church today and I don't, I'm not a fire and brimstone preacher, but I want you to know you don't believe in Jesus Christ, you don't know Him, that's the only way that you get to the Father, is through Jesus Christ. If that's not you, you'll be spit out. But you know what? Jesus blatantly says, in verse 21 there in chapter 3, it says, He who overcomes, He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So this morning, I don't know where you are in your faith. I don't care if you're hot or cold or, or on fire for Jesus or not. If you believe that, it's awesome. And if you don't, today is the day. Today is the day to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. You are Lord over my life. 
God, I know that you sent him to die for my sin. And you hung him on that cross to die for all of the bad stuff, all the deeds, all the things that, that this world has, has put on me, has packed on me, things that I've done in this world. You hung him on that cross to take care of all that. Jesus Christ, I accept you right now. I accept you right now. I say it every time I get in front of a crowd of people get to bring the gospel, that eternal life with God does not start the day that you get put in the grave. Eternal life starts with God the day that you confess that Jesus is Lord. You believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And look out. God has big plans for your life. He has a plan for your future, and He loves you so, so much. Real quick, I want you to do this. Look at your hands. Look at the palms of your hands. And there's, there's things on your hands. Uh, there might be some scars. There's a good chance that there's a callus or two if you've been working. I'm serious. Look at it. There's some lines. There's, there's some lines on your fingertips that nobody else has that. Again, God designed you with that. Because you're an individual, He loves you that much. Look at your hands. You know, the one thing is that you don't have in your hands, I can stand here and guarantee it. You don't have holes in your hands. You don't have holes where those nails went through. You didn't have to die a sinner's death. Jesus took care of that for That's how much He loves you. You don't have to do works. You don't have to, you don't have to stand up here and preach like I've said before. You don't have to do this. This has nothing to do with my relationship with Jesus Christ. My personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Preach the gospel wherever you go. But when necessary, use words. Go live it. If you know Jesus Christ, go live it. And ask Him how. And He'll put you in the right spot. And it is good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank You so much for Your Word. God, and I thank you that you don't change, that you are so good. God, you are the same yesterday, today, forever. God, in your gospel, the gospel does not change. And Lord, I thank you that you give us ways to overcome, to come to you in deeper ways all the time. God, I pray for those hearts in here that, that might, be, might be wondering. That you would reveal yourself to them so many, so many ways that they would have no doubt but to know to make you Lord over their life. And to understand the promise, to understand your knowledge that you impart. Lord, this morning I pray that we dive into this word. And that you will reveal yourself to us. <coughs> God, that we can just accept the gospel for exactly what it is. Lord, we thank you so much for that. Lord, I just pray that for all of us, even if we have been believers for years, that this would strengthen us and help us come to, you, to know you more. God, we thank you for giving, these, giving, giving us these, uh, these hard words, these things that we have to dissect, but in that, God, your glory that's what it's all for. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.